I'm going to suggest we read this morning's text from Matthew, the story of Jesus walking on the sea as an allegory. We know what an allegory is. It's when we take a story and we ascribe a meaning to each of the elements of the story that is beyond the obvious. So, let's have a go. The sea that Jesus walks on and that the boat is on is the world. The place we know and we don't know. You know, there are parts of the ocean that have been less explored than space. It's a very unknown place, the ocean. We know it a little when we walk in it or swim in it, but it's much beyond us. The sea is is, is both a place we know and a place we don't know. It's an alien place. And it was for the disciples. They'd been battered by the storm. Or a better translation is they'd been tormented by the waves. And the boat, if the sea is the world, the boat is human culture. And culture is not just going to see the orchestra at the town hall. Culture is all of the ways that we make the world make meaning. It's, culture tells us how we live and die. It tells us little things like shaking hands and smiling at people when we meet them, which is not true in many other cultures, but it is in ours. And big things like how do you commemorate the end of a life? How do we commemorate people getting together to live together in intimate relationships that we call marriage? All of these things are the things that we have built that are culture. And culture, of course, is never static. It's constantly changing. And that gives us great joy and hope. Uh, It's great that culture used to be a place where women were subservient to men. And now, well, it's some places, some of the time, that's changed. It's constantly changing. And that's a good thing. Of course, it's also a difficult thing to deal with. Things change so quickly that we're not sure whether we can keep up or whether it's a good thing. But culture is what we do to make ourselves human. And we can't live without it. Just as the disciples on the boat, on the ocean, can't live without the boat. The ocean is the world, the boat is culture or the way we make the world make meaning. So Jesus is who Jesus always says he is, who the church has said he is. He's the one who is so deeply engaged in being human that he is connected deeply to the divine or to God. So deeply that we use the metaphor of Jesus being actually a son of God, which we say about all people. We say that we are the children of God. So connected that he seemed to have abilities that we don't have. He seemed to be able to enact the power to heal and to restore. He was so connected to the divine, so connected to the way the world really is, the deep truth of the world, that he actually had insights into the way people thought and could see into their thinking and their understanding. He's so connected that here in this story, he is at home in a place that we are not. He's literally walking on water in this story, walking on the ocean. He is connected in a way that we are not. We have a strange experience in the world, don't we? When an animal, when a dog, if you've got a pet dog, when a dog's got nothing to do, a dog lies down and has a sleep. 
When you've got nothing to do, when I've got nothing to do, I get anxious. And I, and I start thinking about who I am and where I fit and what I should be doing. What are my responsibilities? What would I like to do? There's so many things I could do. I get exhausted by anxiety when all a dog's doing is having a nap. We don't quite fit in the world in, quite the, in the same way as the other animals do. Okay, so this is Jesus, deeply connected across the divide between the human and the divine. Remember the image on the wall of the, Sistine, of the ceiling in the Sistine Chapel where man and God were just about to touch? That's the dividing bit, that moment. That's who Jesus represents for us. So this is what the text says. But when the disciples saw him, Jesus, walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying it's a ghost, and they cried out in fear. Is there really a divine? Is there really a sense in the world of more than we can see and touch? Is there really a God? We're frightened of the unknown. We're not sure what we can experience and what we can't, what we're telling ourselves and what's true. And even the most rational person can be unnerved by a bump in the night. And Peter says, Lord, if it is you. We can't tell the real from the counterfeit, can we, in our lives? Can we trust the government? Can we trust the media? We're not so sure anymore. And it's not just the fact that we can now reproduce the images and the words of people to look like they said them and they didn't say them. Artificial intelligence. We're in an era that we've now be even named as post-truth. An era where we can have alternative facts, thanks to a recent President of the United States. Can we even trust our own thoughts? At late at night, if you do hear a bump in the night, it can create, conjure up all sorts of things that may or may not be true inside our heads. What, what's real and what's counterfeit? Lord, if it is you, is it you? Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. The story has already given us two clues. Jesus says, do not be afraid. This is the thing that God says all through the scriptures. And in fact, in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, our Gospel for this year, the first thing a divine voice says in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 1 is, Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. It's a clue to the disciples in the boat and to us, the readers. Do not be afraid. And then he says, I am. It's translated here as, it is I, but the better translation is I am, which of course is the name or the phrase, we're not really sure what it's supposed to be, that God gives God's self right back in Exodus. But they're so frightened they can't hear these clues. They're right out there. They're like two flashlights and they can't hear it. They're so frightened, so afraid of the way the world is. They're so battered by the way, so tormented. Will human culture survive? I guess if you live on Maui at the moment in the Hawaiian Islands, you would really wonder whether that's possible. Will this boat survive the storm? Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Why does Peter want to get out of the boat? Jesus doesn't call him. Peter comes up with the idea. 
He wants to get out of the boat. Remember, the boat is our culture. The ocean is the world as it really is. Peter wants an unmediated, real experience of the world. He wants to know he's alive. He wants to have an authentic experience of life. You know, the biggest growth in tourism in the current day is people wanting ex- engage, what, what they often call engagement tourism. I don't just want to go and see the Eiffel Tower. I want to experience something of what it's like to be a Parisian. I don't just want to go and see Angkor Wat. I want to go and experience what it's like to, to be in that culture. That's what people are looking for. People, nobody ever wants to buy bread from the shop anymore. We want to buy artisanal bread, stone ground, sourdough. And we're willing to pay quite a lot more money than we are for whatever passes for bread in those plastic bags. We want authentic experience. We want to know that we're alive in the world. We want to touch the real. But we can't do that. We can't do that by ourselves. We need the community in which we live. We're both fascinated by and, in a sense, alien from culture. We're fascinated by people who become hermits and live out in the wilds all by themselves. We can't see ourselves doing it, but we're amazed that there are people that do it who are trying to reach out into what it really means to be alive in the world, to experience as it really is. So the text says Peter gets out of the boat. He gets out of culture. He gets out of everything that we've built to make sense of the world. And he starts walking on the water and comes towards Jesus. He has separated himself out from his culture. He is engaged in a direct, unmediated experience with the divine. And everything works and everyone lives happily ever after. Not according to this story. No, of course not, because he can't. We can't have that unmediated experience of the world. We see the world only through culture that we've built. That's just the nature of it. The way you were brought up is part of the way you see the world. Some of it's good, some of it you're trying to get rid of. The culture you're in, whether it's in Australia where you were born and raised, or from another culture where you're trying to make sense of your culture and this culture, This is just what we do. This is what we build. None of us can be apart from that. And neither can Peter. He trails his culture with him, his worldview, his understanding of the way things are. And the clash between his culture and the reality of the world literally sinks him. He goes down. So maybe that's the end of the story. Human culture just can't survive the real world. Eventually, all human cultures fall to bits. And that's it. But no, that's not the end of the story either. Because it says, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him. Peter did, for a moment, have a direct, unmediated, real experience of the world. And you know what happened? That world, that true world, the divine nature of everything, reached out to him. Because that's what God always does. That's what the divine always does. That's what the world is always doing, is reaching out to us. In the garden, it is God that reaches out to the first humans that we call Adam and Eve. It is God who hunts down David to be the first real king of Israel. Everyone's unsure whether Saul was a real king or not. It is God who says to, to Jesus at his baptism, You are my son. It is God who reaches out. 
It is the father who seeks out the lost son who's starting to wander back in his general direction. It is God who searches for us all through the scriptures. That's the nature of the world. The nature of the world is it's full of the divine and it's reaching out to us all the time. So in this story, Jesus reaches out to Peter. And then they get into the boat. Jesus and Peter get into the boat. God comes into human culture. The divine infects, infests, sneaks in to human culture all the time, everywhere, all over. That's why we call Jesus Emmanuel, God with us. It is tr- we truly can experience the universe as it really is. Maybe not all the time, maybe only in small moments. But we can live, as Matthew's Gospel keeps inviting us to, with our eyes wide open and our ears ready to hear. We don't have to transform ourselves. We don't have to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We don't have to scrub up. We don't have to be morally good. Might not be a bad idea if we are, because we do better that way. But that's not what this is about. It's not about trying to reform ourselves to be righteous. We've done a pretty poor job of that in history, and most of us have done a pretty poor job of that in ourselves. It's the divine, it's the nature of the universe calling to us all the time. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. We experience this all the time. You know, that idea of watching the sun go down and beginning to think about your deep connection to everything that is in that quiet moment of sunset. Maybe when you look at the images coming from the James Webb Space Telescope that show us things we have never, no human being has ever, ever seen before. These extraordinary images of the universe in all its glory. We can experience that in any moment when we get loved by someone who loves us. Those experiences, those moments, they seem to kind of be fleeting, but they're real. They're experiences that we have all the time. And then we re-enter the boat. We see our culture for what it is, a construction. Sometimes meaningful and useful, sometimes vacuous and barren, but always a construction and not wrong for that. That's how we make our lives. If you're in a loving relationship or you have been in one, you constructed that. You did a good job and a bad job, but you just built it as best you could. We do the human work of cultural construction and deconstruction and reconstruction, always seeking a deeper connection, a more authentic experience of reality, a more authentic experience of the connection between human beings and the divine. That's why we read the stories of Jesus, because he is that person for us, that exemplar, someone who got it, who understood it, and who lived in it in every moment. And in this moment, in the middle of a cataclysmic storm, there was a moment of touching, a moment of experience 
a moment of the wholeness of the goodness of the earth and the world coming together. And the wind ceased. <laughs>